The Lord is continuing to bless your life and guide you through these days, these turbulent times in which we live in. I hope the word today will be an encouragement to you, but I also hope, as always, that it'll be a challenge as well. I don't really know, and I can't really come to uh, conclusions, all the conclusions, why the, the, the subject matter is what it is today, but I do believe that it, the Lord has led me this way, so I pray that you would be encouraged, but also challenged to think about what the Word of God says. Uh, you know, it won't be long until spring, just a few weeks, months away. You know, in spring, we always love to open our windows and we love to clean and we start looking for things to get rid of. We start looking around at what can we really uh, be able to just get rid of and, and depart from, uh, depart from us. <clears throat> Well, you know, the Christian life, we have to do that sometime as well. We have to stop and consider, are there things in our life that we need to just get rid of? And the lesson that I want to share with you today, if you have your Bibles, is primary from, primarily from Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to go ahead and turn there as I'm preparing to read these texts. But I want to share with you a lesson today that's titled, Things We Can Afford to Get Rid Of. Things that we can afford to get rid of. And, and those things are unrighteous anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness. Those are three of many things the Bible says we as Christians should get it out of our life. We should ask God's help to get it out of our lives. We shouldn't be walking around each day with unrighteous anger, we shouldn't be walking around each day with bitterness, and we shouldn't be walking around with unforgiveness in our heart toward others. So read with me today, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading in verse 17. And the Word of God says, This I say, therefore testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of Gentiles walked in the futility of mind. In other words... And Christ, you're no longer walking with the same mindset that you used to have because Christ has come into your life. And now you should be growing into the mindset of Christ. So we don't walk with futility of mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past having given themselves over to a lewdness to walk according to uncleanness and greediness. But you, now listen, notice the transition in verse 20. He's comparing who you were without Christ by nature to who you should be becoming in Christ, who you are, and who you should be becoming in Christ in verse 20. But you have not learned, you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. Now look what he says in verse 22 concerning these corrupt things. That you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new, <clears throat> the new man which uh, was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, today, 
this shouldn't be a great revelation, but for many it is because many people believe a version of Christianity today that is only a version that you believe in your head but not in your heart. And uh, this text clearly tells us that when you come to Christ truly, not only has God changed the way and changing the way you're thinking, but He's changed your heart. He's changing your life. He's changing fundamentally everything in, that you are. And God is changing the person you are because now you have the righteousness of Christ um, at work in you. He says, because of these things, because God is bringing righteousness and holiness into your life through, through spiritual growth and through the work that Christ has already done for you on the cross. He says in verse 25, Therefore lay aside, lay, a, lay a, a, away, putting away, laying each one, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who steals, steals no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give him who is in need. Now, that is a word that, that we all need, especially this country, right? The Bible says as a Christian, you should work so hard in your life that you're not only providing for the needs of your family and your needs, but you should be able to be open to help someone who is in need. So in verse 29, he says, Let no corrupt words come out of your mouth, but what is good, that which is edification or edifying, that is, that may impart grace to the hearer. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And maybe today as God searches your heart and you allow him to search your heart, you'll find today that there is, there is unrighteous anger. Now, some people have said, you know, Jesus got angry, and that's true. He's Jesus, but Jesus never sinned. That's true, too. He, was, he remained sinless. And in Christ, there are things in this life that anger me. There are things that are happening and going on in our world that anger me, but we have to be careful. It's a slippery slope. There is a difference between the anger that is a righteous anger and an anger that is unrighteous, and also often it's mostly unrighteous anger that we deal with. And we have to be knowledgeable that these type of things is not what we need in our life. And we have to get rid of it. If unrighteous anger remains long enough, it becomes bitterness. Bitterness is so, in, I guess you would say, entrenched into our heart that we're on that slippery slope even further now. And I don't, I've never met anybody that, that lived in a mindset of anger and bitterness that didn't also have unforgiveness. So maybe today the Lord leads you. Maybe today in my heart today there's a time of examination. There's a time to say it's time to 
look and see what let God show us what is in our hearts. Because the Bible clearly tells us that we're not to let these things linger. We're not to let these things uh, continue in our life. We don't give energy and time and effort to prolonging our unrighteous anger, our bitterness, and our unforgiveness. But we do everything that we can in Christ through His strength, through His Word, to remove it from our life, to ask God to help us remove it. You know, I thought about these three things, this anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. And you know, I thought about it, it's a lot like a cancer that eats away. There's probably not many of you here that will listen to this video and your family or your life in some way hasn't been affected by cancer. Almost everybody's family has been affected by it. But it is a horrible, horrible disease that eats away at the body. And, and you know, I can think of no better way to illustrate what these three things do to us spiritually. It eats away, it tears down, and not only does it hurt our lives, but it hurts those around us. It destroys from within. It's like taking poison and expecting it to hurt someone else. If you're unforgiving today and you feel with bitterness or you have a, a struggle with some type of anger in your life, listen, it's only going to affect you and those around you as it prolongs in your life. I often thought about it also, it's a lack of focus and a lack of uh, trust in Christ. Because the more angry we become, the more bitter we become, the more unforgiving we become, the less like Christ we become. And the less trusting in Him that we become. And Paul tells us in this chapter that I have read, I want you to go back with me to, to the beginning of the chapter, chapter 4 of Ephesians. And notice what he says in, in verse 1. He says, Therefore, prisoners of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. God has called us in this world to be in this world, but not to be of this world. He has called us not to walk around in anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, but he has called us to walk worthy of him. That when people see and hear and the words that are coming out of our mouths, it is words that honor a Christ. Not bitterness and anger and strife and division. Sometimes I, <laughs> I hear things said and I read things and I see things on Facebook. And, you know, I don't throw any judgments because I'm human as anyone else. But I shake my head and sometimes wonder if that's really how that person feels how miserable and broken they must be on the inside. Because if that is a reflection of who they are and how they live, it is so far removed from what Christ has called us to be. Now I say that in no judgment. I say that as an example. We are called to walk worthy of the Lord. And he says in verse 2 and 3, with all lowliness and gentleness and with long suffering. Listen, bearing with one another in love. Is everybody easy to love? You better believe that's not true. Is it easy to get along with everybody? No. 
Will we ever accomplish that? Maybe not. But what we should do is strive in every way to make sure that in our relationships with each other as Christians and even the world, that we're not developing anger and bitterness and unforgiveness that is destroying our lives and those around us. And that's what the Word of God is telling us, that we overcome it not by some sense of growing our anger and our bitterness, but by humbling ourselves to God and seeking to live a humble and a long-suffering and with a forbearance of love. What does that mean? It means that not all people are easy to love, but we ought to sometimes have to work hard to love people and to overcome the things that make us angry and the things that create bitterness in our hearts. And this isn't something we do just in and of ourselves. It is something that Christ enables us to do. The more we seek Christ, the more we're able to be, have a forbearant love. We are able to endure and keep the unity, the Bible says in verse 3. Enduring always to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is nothing about anger, unrighteous anger, bitterness, or unforgiveness that creates a spirit of unity. Only division. Only division. So as I think about these things, I also think about a text of Scripture. And I want you to write this down. If you don't, if you don't read it for yourself today, I want you to at least write it down and read it today. I will encourage you to, to spend a little time reading not only Ephesians chapter 4, but also read Colossians 3. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there with me. Colossians chapter 3, it says, And if you were raised with Christ, that simple phrase means, if you are truly in Christ, if Christ is in you, that you have had a true uh, salvation experience, that your life is being transformed because of Christ, that if you are raised, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand. Sit your mind on the things of the, uh, on the things uh, uh, above, not on the things of the earth. Now listen, it don't take me long. I'm going to give you an example, and this is a personal example. It doesn't take me long if I sit my mind on what's going on in this world until I become so angry. <laughs> and if I think about it long enough, then there comes bitterness. And then the more the bitterness comes in, guess what? Next thing you know, I am so judgmental and unforgiving of everything in my life. We have to sit our mind, not just on the things of this world, but we have to, according to Scripture, set our mind on the things of God, the things above. And then he says, for your life is uh, hidden with Christ in God. When Christ was our life appears, which Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Um, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. How many of you know that these passions and, and unforgiveness and bitterness and all these things are kind of like idolatry? Because you place those things above God. You want some people, I've met people, and I preached a sermon many, many years ago, 
and I'll never forget it. And as I was standing at the back door, a guy walked by and I'd preached a sermon on, on, on forgiveness. And I'll never forget it. He walked by and he grabbed my hand. And he shook it and he hold it and he pulled me in close. He said, Preacher, I'll never forgive my brother for what he's done for me. Never. Now you want to talk about being imprisoned? You want to talk about understanding what the Word of God says? He says, I'll never put to death the unforgiveness that I have in my heart. He said, I will just simply let it consume me and drive me and overcome me for the entirety of my life. I hope you're not there today. I hope today that that is not what you're saying in your heart today as you watch this video. Because the Bible tells us that we are to put to death those things which become idolatry in our life. Some people are more consumed with holding on to grudges and unforgiveness than they are worshiping God. That's an idol. That is an idol in your life. That is something you have placed more importance on than God. And let me tell you, uh, the devil smiles. You know, people that know me know I love to say that and they understand that. You may or may not. But what I mean by that is the devil likes when we do things his way. He likes when we give him that root of bitterness that begins to grow in our hearts and our life because he can take that and take it any direction he wants to in our life as we allow him to do that. But the Bible says we can put it to death, not because we're strong enough, but because we have Christ. Because Christ lives in me. And he goes on and he says in verse 9, Do not lie to one another since you have put off, here it is again, the old person. Guess what? If you're in Christ, you're not the same person that you used to be. Amen. You're not the same person. And you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Verse 12, skip down a verse. It says, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. In other words, just as you have been forgiven, you must forgive. Above all, these things put on love, which is the bond of perfect peace. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body to be thankful. Let the word of God dwell richly in wisdom and in teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to God. For whatever you do, do in word and in deed. In other words, don't just talk about it. You know, you and I, and I've been this person, you talk about it, but do you actually do it? He's saying, don't just talk about being a Christian. Live your life as a Christian. And that's what we need to do. And whatever you do in word and deed and do all things in the name of the Lord, give thanks to God the Father through him. Now, as I share all this with you, over the years, Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3 has become some of my favorite texts of Scripture. And, and the reason that is is because I need to hear what's there. <clears throat> I need to be reminded. Now, I've been a Christian now since... 
I was almost 19 years old. It's been a little while ago. But there isn't a day that I don't need to be reminded about that I am to seek the things above. That I am to set my mind and my heart on the things of God and not on this world. There isn't a day that I don't need to be reminded that I should seek peace and harmony with people. There isn't a day that I not need of reminding, being reminded that I have been forgiven, therefore I should forgive because I've been forgiven. I want you to think about it the next time you say or think you'll never forgive someone, uh, how, how worthy are you to be forgiven? Did you deserve Christ forgiving you? Did you deserve in any way the salvation in which he's given to us? No, of course not. The Bible says it's not by works, not that we should boast, but it is by the grace of God that we're saved. Now, I'll give you some things real quickly in conclusion. I, I, I don't want this to be as, <laughs> as long as a, a regular sermon, but whatever it turns out to be today, it's going to be. Please forgive me. But um, what we must do in the face of these things and how do we put them out of our life? How do we get rid of unrighteous anger and bitterness and unforgiveness? Well, it's a work of God in us and we have to participate and let God work through us to remove these things from our life. So what must we do? Well, I've already talked about a lot of it. It's a matter of where your heart is and your mind is focused upon. We seek the things of God. But the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 12 uh, 15, to do not let a root of bitterness grow in your heart. If there is unforgiveness or bitterness or uh, unrighteous anger in your life today, then there's already a root there. And you have to pray and you have to ask God to do what is necessary to remove that root of bitterness. In other words, don't continue to let it grow because it will. It'll grow and the enemy will fertilize it and he'll water it and he'll turn it into a mess in your life and all a mess in the life of those around you. The enemy smiles when it comes to these things. He smiles. Also, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 27, we've already, already read it. Don't give place to the enemy. Now, well, one of the best strategies we have to overcoming the snares and the entrapments of the enemy is according to uh, Ephesians 6, is the Word of God. So if you neglect the Word of God, if you don't read and study and, and fill your heart with the Word of God, then what you're in essence doing is you're giving place to the enemy to enter into your life, to your family, to your church, to your situation, and to invade, uh, invade your life. The more you understand who God is and who you are in Christ, and the more you understand who the enemy is, the better, according to Scripture, that you can not give him a foothold, a place in your life. Many years ago, TV show and it came from this but people would always say the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. And in some occasions there is an influence of the enemy or his, his soldiers, his evil beings that influence I think believe this world still today. But for the most part we have the ability 
through Christ and through His Word, to give Him no place in our life, to stop the struggles before they ever begin. So you need to turn to the Word of God. Put to death the things in Romans 8, 13 and Colossians 3, 8. It says, put to death the sins and the things that are in your life. Um, you know, if you have a problem with alcohol, you shouldn't fill your house with alcohol. If you're trying to get sober, you shouldn't fill your cabinets with alcohol because it's right there. It's temptation, right? You don't put things to death by filling yourself in your environment that you're living in with that thing that you're trying to overcome. And I, I want to tell you today that we have the ability and the power in Christ when you fill your heart and your mind with the things of God, God gives you the ability and the power through the Holy Spirit to put things to death that don't need to be in your life. Make rights wrong. Now, if you look at Matthew 5.23, it speaks about if you have wronged someone, before you come to God, you go and make it right, then come back to God. Listen, if there's somebody in your life right now that you need to make things right with, then that's probably one of the means by which you're going to overcome this unforgiveness or bitterness or anger. Sometimes you just simply have to go to someone, whether they wronged you or whether you wronged them or whether it was a combination. You have to go and try to make it right. And people have said, well, Pastor, what happens when I do that and they do not respond? They will not forgive. Then you're, you're freed. Your hands are off of it. If you genuinely go to somebody and try to make it right and are refused, before God, if you do the right thing, then you're released. If they want to remain in that prison, that's up to them. But for you, you need to seek forgiveness. You need to seek to make the wrong right in your life. Pursue peace, Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. It says to pursue peace. Peace is something we need. And I want to tell you that peace is not something easy to find today. But we are to pursue peace in our homes. We are to pursue peace in our churches. We are to pursue peace with with even those in our community and even our enemies. The Bible says to pray for our enemies, to not return evil with evil. So the Bible has told us to pursue peace in the midst of the warfares that we go through. One of the last things I want to mention, it says in Matthew 18, and many of you are probably familiar with this text, Matthew 18, 15 through 17, it gives you a biblical example of how to go and make things right with someone. Uh, if, if you need to go and make something right with someone today, please read Matthew 18, 15 through 17 first before you go. Pray over it and read about it and think about it and let God guide you in what to do and how to do it within the church itself. Pray. In conclusion, I would say that just be mindful today as you examine your life, is there things you can afford to get rid of? And if, if it is unrighteous anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, trust me, you can afford to get rid of it. In fact, the Bible mandates that we get rid of it. But we don't do it in our own power. We do it in the power of God. We do it through His strength. We do it by seeking Him, by putting Him first, 
One of the greatest ways to overcome obstacles and struggles and what the Bible calls strongholds in our life is just simply growing up as a Christian. Spiritual growth. Allowing God to grow us up in our faith to enable to break down the strongholds that might be in our life. Today, pray for the power of God to enable you to throw away those things that you don't need in your life, to get it out, to put it to death. Let the Lord, the Word of God, guide you in how to do that. Turn to your brothers and sisters for accountability, for strength and encouragement. We should edify and build one another up. Seek the things above and set your mind not on this world, but on the things of God. And the more you do that, the more you'll be able to put away those things that need to be put away out of your life. I don't know what God is speaking to you today. I don't know what you're dealing with. Maybe there's another sin in your life and God is bringing it to the surface. Even as you watch this video, it may not be anger. It may not be bitterness. It may not be unforgiveness. It might be something else, but it's all treated the same. We have to, in Christ, put it to death. We have to get it out of our lives. I pray the Lord to help you as he seeks to help me um, get things out of my life that don't need to be there. And that's the lesson today. Um, pray and ask God to examine your heart and be honest about what you find. And then go to the Word of God. Go to the Scriptures. Go to the Lord in prayer. And begin to seek how that God will empower you to be free of these things that in bondage or enslave you. These things which entangle you. These things which limit you and control you. Um, only the Spirit, only the Spirit should be the thing that controls us as Christians. I thank you and I pray for you and pray for us. God bless.